You're listening to the World Football Program with all the latest updates from both local and international football. Welcome to the World Football Program. <laughs> Thanks to the boys from the um, Irish show who are moving on out like a train and we're moving on in like a very old steam train that makes lots of noise. <laughs> I'm getting a hairy eyeball. <laughs> this is the World Football Program. You're on Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. I'm Penny Tannerhoth. We have... Miranda Templeman and Pete Skeller in the studio. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. You know you could have blamed all that noise on the Irish guys and I would have been <laughs> scot-free, but no, you had to. <laughs> We're all good. Two hours of football coming up as per usual. Only a few shows left for the year. We'll be finishing up the last Saturday in November. Everybody will be in the studio and then we're going to have a break for two months We generally go from the first Saturday in February to the last Saturday in November, then have a a couple of months break. We've done that traditionally for a long time, and during that time, the summer-winter sports have changed, so we don't take a break for any other reason than we are due a break, and (laughs) typically there's been no football over summer, and that's just changed, and it's filled the space where we've not been here. But the good thing is, with the change of the seasons, when we come back... There'll, lots of football to talk about. There will be yep. lots and lots of mm-hmm. football, which is great, and we won't miss any finals, which is fantastic. So generally we come back when the W League is just about on their finals yeah, time. Up. Mm. Yep, so we'll catch all of that and a bit more this time round. I'm not sure how it'll work the next year on because it'll just be a kind of a funny year with the knock-on effects of uh, a different season in a different space. Mm-hmm. So it'll be a few years of COVID affecting us in many kind of ways. We have a big guest list this Saturday, which includes Dave Kindness, Simon Hicks, Tim Cash, 
and Molly Appleton from Molly's Football Rants, or Molly's Footy Rants, actually, <laughs> and that includes other football codes, but we won't mention what they are, <laughs> just the world game one we're interested in today. Thank you, everybody, for listening in. You can catch us on the Radio Fremantle website live if you're out and about on your radio in the car, 107.9 FM, and any number of apps which will see you listen to the show through the week and over summer. We will definitely, without question, have finished all the podcasting and logo resetting and all that kind of thing so that next year when we come back in, we'll have a little bit of a different look and um, you'll be able to find us in different kind of ways all over the world a bit easier. And it is nice when I'm out and about and uh, people ring me or text me or send me a message and say we've been listening in from this country or that country or my mate listens in from this country or that country and I think that. <clears throat> that's a little bit uh, nice. It's a bit special. Yeah, yeah, it is. So thank you, everybody, for, for doing that, becoming a member of the station. We're volunteers. We do it because we love it, as always, 30-plus um, years, and people have come and gone. And uh, a couple of notable come and goners are people like Anna Dong, who's now on the Women's World Cup bid for the FFA, and uh, Rob Scott, I think, is working for Channel 9 or 10 or ABC. I think it might be 9 or 10 these days. He was as an apprentice here in his um, early cutting of the teeth, becoming a media person. Now he's um, one of the presenters in commercial TV. So, mm. And young Miranda here, no doubt, will work <laughs> her way up into some higher... Channel 7. Channel 7, there you go. Hi, Rob. <laughs> uh, yeah, Miranda will be up there one day in some kind of highfalutin football <laughs> position and uh, we'll be bragging about her when yep, she was when here. You and, were when you were Yeah, <laughs> that's it, exactly right. Exactly. Okay, so... Um, Lots of football to talk about. The end of year, it's the AGMs, the reviews, the changeover of committees, the awards, and some have flown a little bit under the radar because the usual gatherings of people haven't all occurred. It's been, uh, it could be Zoom, it could be a, you know, come at a designated time and socially distance and then it gets put out on the internet. All those kind of things have happened this year in, in various ways. So congratulations to everybody that got nominated for, won an award, um, has retired from a committee, got a committee position, um, all those kind of things that help us as volunteers in the sport and move into professional and semi-professional football and let us watch the great game that we love. Thank you, everybody, for doing that. Um, it gives us something to talk about as well Saturday mornings, which is fantastic. <laughs> um, as far as news for the week goes, guys, Pete, what's your news of the week? Uh, would have to be the glory heading off to the Asian Champions League. Finally. So, finally. Yep. Yeah. Uh, my tickets are kind of useless, but that's all right. I'm still happy to watch them play. Um, so they're flying out today, I believe, and their first game's on Wednesday. So as we were saying sort of before the program starts, there's obviously no quarantine period in Qatar. Um, and they've got five games in just over two weeks. So it'll be a good test for the legs, uh, for the lads. Mm. And, yeah. Yep. So that, that's my big news. <laughs> Yep. Um, yeah, there is a few finalies happening this week, isn't it? Uh, for me, the W League, mm. absolutely. The borders are a bit more relaxed this weekend. Yep. Uh, that means more people are going to come into WA and go out of WA. And, well, it just means more trade, more business, more uh, economic activity, I guess, and more sports can happen in different kind of ways, which is yep. always good. Yep. Um, so Perth Glory W League. Uh, is definitely going to happen, so there's going to be a lot of activity happening in the back scenes with that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, still haven't had any uh, fixtures announced from the FFA yet, no. either <clears throat> about the A-League or the W-League, which is, you know, 
kind of would, wouldn't mind finding out. When, I, I realise it might be a bit contingent on the the three teams that are in Qatar and, you know, when they come back and mm. probably postponing their fixtures. But you'd kind of hope that a month and a half from the season kicking off that they come out with at least a tentative fixture list. Yeah, and I guess it does depend as well on the situations in New South Wales and yeah. Victoria. And I think they're kind of waiting, waiting to see what happens with that and hopefully can get some fixtures between us and um, New South Wales and Victorian-based teams. But I suspect the first half of the season it will mainly be um, Perth versus Adelaide or Brisbane or Canberra for the W League, yep. I think, yep. is that travel is unrestricted. But, yeah, interesting to see when they do release the fixtures. Mm. What's been your hot news for the week, Miranda? Um, I enjoyed watching the Oli Roos versus Sydney game. <laughs> um, what part of that did you enjoy? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, just some football to watch, you know, I'll watch any football. But, um, yeah, ended up Sydney 3 and Ollie Roos um, nil. Uh, they did, um, I think they did a complete swap. They ended up, because it's a friendly match, obviously there's unlimited substitution. Yeah. So I think almost everyone from the Ollie Roos, Roos squad got on the pitch and um, Brandon Wilson, our WA rep over there, I think he's the only WA rep in I, the Ollie Roos team. I was going to check with you because he's listed as an Ollie Roos player. Mm. Um, but he's also listed in the Glory squad, which is flying out today. So yes. I don't know if he's going to Qatar with the Glory, if he's meeting up later, or uh, he's certainly I'm, listed in the squad. Yeah, he's so. listed in both squads. So yeah. um, and the Oli, uh, yeah, the Oli Roos have another game Thursday. this week. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, against, against MacArthur. MacArthur. That's it. Yeah. So well, I suspect he's going to miss a game or uh, fly whether, across whether, or? whether he stays for the Oli Roos and then joins the Glory late because um, mm. there'll still be plenty of games for him to join in there. But yeah, yeah I, was, I was kind of curious about that because he's listed in both squads. Yeah, That's a fair bit of travel, isn't it? Like if you're going to go uh, across the international borders there with the quarantine things, mm-hmm. hopping into one country for a game, hopping out again, and I don't know how that mm. works. The life of a footballer, they yeah. say. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, bring it on. Um, yeah, so games are happening more and more. So, yeah, hopefully summer will be full of games that we can watch in some capacity. I'm not yeah. quite sure how that's going to pan out. But, uh, you know, even when the borders become less restricted, there'll be people in the, the HPF Park, HPF Stadium, whatever it's called, um, to some capacity um, spaced out. How is that going to work with the shed? I when I, if I think of mm. where Perth Glory are playing, I think of the shed and I think how the heck is that going to work? I have no idea. Okay. Whether they just restrict the numbers even more than they do currently. Um, so I think currently I feel like it's about 2,000 is the limit for the shed. Right. Um, I don't know where I got that number from, but that's the number in my head. <laughs> um, so whether they just turn it down and say, you know, 1,000 or 500 or whatnot, but it, it obviously can't can't say until it happens. Yeah, mm. yeah, I just can't imagine any kind of social distancing happening yeah. the more someone drinks in that area. Let's face it. It's, it's why are you the, looking at me as you say that? <laughs> it's such a very sociable area to be in, the shed. <laughs> and that's part of the appeal, isn't it, that you get together and you chant and drink and, um, yeah, so I, I just can't imagine the social distancing thing working for the shed. Exactly. Yes. I did have a good chuckle at uh, someone on the show suggesting that they hold trials for the shed so <laughs> that the people that actually end up know the chance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good one. Uh, I think we'll go to a break and we'll come back and we'll chat more football. Big thank you to all of the partners of the show for this year, West Coast Futsal, Oswest Fencing and Wrought Iron, Gate and Fence Hardware, WA. Moving forward into 2021, those partners will be jumping back on board. So thank you very much to Greg, especially for all your work at West Coast Futsal and the 5 side Futsal competitions are ramping right back up for 
um, the summer period uh, kicked in, kicking in, um, growing, um, becoming more populated, uh, and Oswest Fencing and Wrought Iron and Gaden Fence Hardware at WA have been insanely busy with home handyman projects. Uh, everybody um, going to lockdown, coming out of lockdown, um, renovating their homes, and it's been actually really good for the Hall of Fame too because that lockdown period has seen people cleaning out so many different things mm. and donating collections and we're actually moving to double the size storage that we've had at the beginning of this period because we've had so many people donate and gift us their collections, mm. which is fantastic. So um, the, the team at the Hall of Fame have been doing a fantastic job, uh, Mel Moffat, Richard Kreider, uh Brett Klusnik, um, they've been collecting, collating and putting them up on the Hall of Fame website uh, just to recognise those people and their um, contributions to football, which is fantastic. And at some point we'll have an event and those things will be displayed or we'll have a place to put them to display them, which might be a state football centre or it might be a museum. I'm not sure how that's going to look or when that's going to be. But uh, thank you, everybody out there, for donating and uh, trusting us to hold on to your collections and share them with the rest of the community, the Hall of Fame Western Australia. really do appreciate that. We are going to go to a break and come back and talk more football with Penn, Miranda and Pete on the World Football Program. Stay with us. 107.9 FM, your local station. 107.9 Oh, give me life. Lots of land under starry skies above. Don't fence me in. Oswest Fencing and Wrought Iron. Are you looking to build or replace your gates or fencing? The Oswest team can offer four generations of advice, materials and kit assemblies for your unique fence and gate project. We specialise in colour bond, aluminium, steel and timber gates. Check out our galleries at oswestfencing.com.au. That's A-U-S-W-E-S-T fencing.com.au The World Football Program is a community program run by volunteers. Just like our host station, Radio Fremantle, applies for government grants and sponsorships from year to year to keep us on air. Your support by way of station membership or donation is greatly valued. Contact Radio Fremantle weekdays 94942100 for information on how to become a member or to donate to the station. Thanks for your support. West Coast Futsal accommodates for players of all skill levels and ages. Four great locations around Perth. We have a time and a venue to suit anyone's busy week. From social men's, women's or mixed games to A-grade competition, we've got you covered. Games are played night and day, indoor and outdoor, all year round. So grab five mates and come down for a game today. Welcome back to the World Football Program. Penn, Pete and Miranda in the studio and Dave Kindness having a chat with us this morning. Good morning, Dave. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Good morning to Miranda and Peter. 
Good morning. Thank you for joining us this morning, Dave. How does your summer of football look? Oh, well, my summer of football uh, had a, a high on uh, Thursday night there. So, uh, <laughs> yes. Getting through to the European 2020 or 2021. Yeah, absolutely magic for Stevie Clark and the boys. Absolutely brilliant. Yep. It, 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 is, it is good that... Um, Football's still happening, even though we're not filling stadiums. Football is still happening and, you know, digital football, video, cable TV, however the heck you can get it um, is is great. So you can talk about it, we can talk about it. Football still goes on. Dave, when when they conceded that goal in the 90th minute, did you think, oh, here we go? <laughs> well, exactly. I mean, Steve Clark summed it up, you know, the glorious defeat. Yeah. You know, and that was just... Heartbreaking, but they they dug deep, you know. Yep. And yep. to to make these substitutions and take guys on who could score penalties and score from a penalty spot was a pretty ballsy thing to do. And uh, he, you know, they came up, they took the shot, the uh, the kicks professionally, and uh, you know. Yep. You yep. Know, Ab- absolutely. It was, well, I just fantastic. For, for anyone that's sort of not, not sure what we're talking about, the um, final round of qualifying for the Euro 2020, which is being held in 2021, uh, took place and Serbia and Scotland were playing off for a spot, which finished at one yeah. all after extra time. And then Scotland scored five out of five from the penalties. Mm-hmm. And uh, then Serbia had their final penalty saved by the keeper, who actually, if you watch the video, didn't actually realise that was enough to get Scotland through. The rest of the team was celebrating and he was just <laughs> sort of looking blankly. Yeah, well... I think he maybe moved just a little bit early and he was concerned. Ah, oh, okay. Because the referees had told him not to celebrate. Yeah. Because he's got to go to VAR and, uh, oh, wow. and they say, oh, okay. yeah, it's all good. Yeah, and it was all good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So Scotland made it to the final by, by a nil-all draw, also on penalties against Israel. So you guys seem to be the yeah. penalty shootout specialists now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, it's twice they've done it. So really good. <laughs> Yeah. You know, it's amazing. Stevie Clark has a, a, a fantastic career. He played for St Mirren originally, then went to Chelsea and yeah. was there for something oh, amazing amount of time. And then he was um, in the coaching staff and he was also assistant to um, the now uh, Tottenham Hotspur coach. I forgot his name. Uh, Did you say the now Tottenham Hotspur coach? Yeah. yeah. Oh, Marino. Yeah, Jose Mourinho. Jose Mourinho, yeah. He was assistant to him oh, and okay. the dugout and everything in his earlier years, yeah. But then he went to West Brom and ended up in, back in Scotland at Kilmarnock and hmm. then got the gig at uh, uh, the, the Scotland game, Scotland hmm. team, you know, and it's been it's been a revelation to be quite honest. Mm. And he's given blooded all these young guys, you know, who are dead keen. And you saw the emotions on Thursday night, which is unbelievable. And the, the stuff that's been on uh, social media, <laughs> great. Yeah. Uh, well, it's just fantastic, you know. At 22 years, that's a long time. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Blooding young guys. Sounds a bit like what Perth Glory are doing at the moment, Dave, or having to do, especially with the yeah. AFC campaign it's going to be a different look glory from well when we won the league well how many it's only yeah. a year ago now wasn't yeah, it was, it? it was mm-hmm. only yeah. a year and a bit it seems ago like yeah. forever so it's going to be a different look for yeah. glory um yeah 
very, very curious, as we all are, to see how the new coach, Richard Garcia, and the new squad is going to be, I don't know, getting it together, so to speak. Mm. Mm. Well, it'll be interesting. Uh, I really don't think they've got the firepower to upset any of the, the uh, other Asian teams in this, but however, you just never know. The young guys can get down and get get at it, you know. But mm. it'll be a massive experience for them. Yeah. When you say with them in, when, when you say firepower, though, I mean we've got um, Nick D'Agostino, Fornaroli, who won yeah. the Golden Boot um, for the Glory, and uh, MGP yep. uh, joint with Kilkenny yep. in the recent awards. Yep. So we've got a few. And Diego. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the, and and Dane Ingram, who who was an absolute star in the post lockdown um, section of the A League. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's hard to say because there's a few good good names in there, and there's also a lot of uh, unknown names, or you know, at least at least to us, sort of unknown names. And a few we can't pronounce. And a few we can't pronounce. <laughs> yeah. And I see Tando's back with us for a third stint as a yeah. as a keeper. I'm not oh, sure what I, I think know. about that. <laughs> <laughs> mm, yeah, that lad's been around Perth Glory for a few years on and off. I don't he know has, since yeah. he was a young lad now, and he hasn't got a game in. In fact, I can't even remember the last time he played. For glory. For the glory? Yeah. Give me uh, a moment. Yeah. <laughs> Stats man's on it. Yeah, <laughs> it, he is. But, I mean, with Liam Reddy's there in the goalkeeping position, so he's yeah. been a stalwart for a few years now and, yeah. yeah. So we've got experience around the um, positions for, for glory in the defence and up front, Dave. We'll be all right. Yeah. 2011. Yeah. Wow. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, she's a glory of uh, taking Chris Coyne. On, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. From Bayswater to uh, assist, you know, and uh, I see Gareth Navin have, has taken over the job at uh, Bayswater. So, yep. that, should, that should be interesting as well. Mm. Yeah. Quite so a bit of movement. Yep. And uh, uh, Jacob Bourne no longer at Glory either. That's right. He's moved on. I'm not yeah. quite sure where he landed. He was doing um, five-a-side carnivals or five-a-side competitions at um, Subiaco, I think, which was quite popular. I'm not quite sure if he's still doing that. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I'm not sure where he's moved to now. He's gone all quiet. Mm. It'd be nice to have a chat yeah. to him and see what his reflections on working with Glory is and um, football and how it's developed over the years. He's been involved with football here in Western Australia. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. he's he's almost an adopted West Aussie, but I know he's originally from Sydney, so I don't know whether he's he's sort of headed back there or. Mm. Yeah, yeah, don't don't know. Um, so just for the uh, unknowings out there, Pete, the uh, Asian Champions League fixtures start on the eighteenth. They start on the if I can find the right page, I can tell you when they are. Okay, so from the Glory's perspective, eighteenth yep. uh, of November, which is next Wednesday. Um, or this this Wednesday, mm-hmm. we're at home. Uh, well, it counts as a home game for the glory. I nearly said we're home, but um, uh, playing Shanghai Shenhua. Uh, we've for those who you may have forgotten, it was that long ago. We did play one game in Japan against FC Tokyo, so that was a the, the boys played well in that one. If you can remember back in February, we lost one nil mm-hmm. to a bit of a fluky goal. Twenty mm-hmm. fourth uh, of November, we will be playing Ulsan Hyundai who has ex-Glory player Jason Davidson and also star of Penny's screensaver, I he believe. He's keeping very fit, <laughs> is what I'm saying. <laughs> yes. um, 27th of November, so three days later, we play Ulsan Hyundai again. 30th of November, Shanghai Shenhua. And then finally on the 3rd of December, FC Tokyo. So top two teams in the group go through. Um, currently, as it stands, you know, obviously only a 
couple of games in, but uh, FC Tokyo are listed as... I don't know how they're listed as having played. Oh, no, they have, though. So they're top of the table with one win, one draw. All San with the draw. Shanghai Shenyue yet to play. Obviously, with the COVID kicking off in China, I don't know if you remember, they sort of locked down the Chinese teams a little bit quicker so they haven't played any games. Mm-hmm. And the glory with one game played, one lost, and one goal conceded. So that's that's not terrible. When's the first A-League fixture? Uh, they've said the 27th of December it'll kick off, but they haven't actually released any fixtures. Yeah. So so that's a great pre-season. Mm. No, it, it is, mm. yeah. I mean, you sort of – you don't really want something like the Asian Champions League to service as a pre-season. That's meant to be the <laughs> – the yeah. you know the cream of the cake, not yeah. not the warmer. Well, it's mm. kind of worked out a bit different. But yeah, everything's got an asterisk yeah. against it this season, mm. so we'll see how we go. Yeah, yep, definitely. Um, I did want to have a chat uh, about uh, a few other things. So, um, Football West Awards have kind kind of flown a bit under the radar there. So, a- a- anybody jump in with news? But I'm just going to mention this because the, all the Football West Awards now are done, as far as I'm aware. Um, that the referees, players, coaches, everything like that. So they kind of come out on the internet over the past couple of weeks in patches here and there. And then there was an awards day, so to speak, at I think it was Gibney Reserve. Yeah. Yep. Um, was that last weekend, Miranda? Yeah. Uh, yeah, last Saturday. Yep. So that happened and then um, there was photos that came out and then on the footballwest.com.au website, all the award winners from NPL – uh, through to the amateur leagues came out. So if you missed any of the award winners, go to footballwest.com.au. It's also on the World Football page. That's uh, men's and women's. So some of the highlights uh, were the NPL men's gold medal was Giordano Colley from Perth Glory and Dean Evans, Florethina, both on 21 votes there. The NPL WA women's gold medal was Katarina Jukic, which was – is that three out of four? Yeah, she's won that. I think must, this must, might have been yeah. three. So 31 votes over Hannah Larry. And I have to mention Hannah Larry um, because she's a little bit of a star, this this young thing. Mm. She's a, a <laughs> Perth Glory uh, player, young Perth Glory player, young NTC player. I'm, I'm saying Perth Glory because I think we're going to see more of her, mm-hmm. hopefully scoring goals and hopefully <laughs> this year over the W League. Um, and Kim Carroll mm. from Northern Redbacks uh, was also in the top votes there for the women's gold medal. Yeah, and it's worth noting as well, Kim Carroll was equal um, third place with Letitia McKenna as well, so another young midfielder from NTC who's just signed over at Brisbane. So, mm. Yeah, yeah. there's been a bit of movement out of WA. Mm-hmm. Uh, NPL uh, men's first team golden boot award went to Danny Hodgson from ECU June Lup, and the women's golden boot was Kat Yukich from... Um, Middle University, the goalkeeper of the year was joint Gabby Del Busco and Miranda Templeman. So apologies if I didn't mention that was a joint award there in any of the information I put out this <laughs> week. Um, it's just been a little bit of um, hotchy-potchy from mm. different sources. So that was a joint goalkeeper of the year, Gabby Del Busco from Balcata and Miranda Templeman, who's in the studio with us. <laughs> okay. I was going to uh, say that name sounded familiar. <laughs> Congratulations, everybody. Um, and the State League Awards winners, the Men's State League Division One Player of the Year was Oscar Thompson from Mandurah City. Um, the Golden Boot was Gavin Knight from Sterling Lions. Uh, Division Two Player of the Year was Jaden Drummond from Kingsley Westside. The Men's State League Division Two Coach of the Year, Jerry McEwen, Karamar, Shamrock, Reversman. That is a long name. <laughs> the Women's State League Division One Coach of the Year, Stephen Sadie, Southwest Phoenix, and uh, his partner, Nicole Sadie. 
was the Division One Golden Boot. And uh, there are more, a, a lot more awards, but if you go to footballwest.com.au, uh, you can get a whole list of everything there. That came out on November the 10th for anyone who's looking for a link there and it is on the World Football page. And a couple other things I did want to throw into the conversation. A soccer scene, if you haven't ever landed on the soccer scene website, it's really interesting for background stuff about football, like strategies and sustainability, esports, that kind of thing. They put out an interesting article in the, the last uh, few days about uh, esports and how successful it is or the uptake of it is like as a for example uh, in 2018 there was over 164 million adults adults in the united states who played video games um, now the average age in the uk of premier league fans is 42 and rising um, so it begs kind of a couple of questions how do clubs ensure their longevity especially in the in the times that we're having now um and relevant to the next generation of sports fans. So for me, this is an interesting one. I remember having the conversation with Simon Hill about this um, probably last year when uh, I think it was FIFA put out the eSports competition and there yeah. was a, a decent uptake of it. They put out a million dollars as the prize wow. yeah. and um, Simon was going, I don't really understand it. <clears throat> and um, then we talked about it and next time it's like, well, there's a bigger uptake and more countries are taking this on board. FFA's taken it on board. Mm-hmm. Uh, Football yep. West have put out their competitions over the last 12 months. So, Dave, does, what's your thoughts on this as, you know, a, a senior statesman of the game and um, eSports? Where, where does it kind of land in your psyche? Well, it's sort of alien to me in a way. It's amazing because it's it's all it's all brand new. But you know, I've just noticed as well that this COVID thing has made people start to think, you know, outside the box, coming up with different ideas. Yes, absolutely. Some of the competition we've had has been exciting. It's been good fun. You know, it's been interesting to watch and. And we're just in a small pocket of the world. But, you know, it's crazy. Uh, millions of people and, you know, million, millions of dollars being spent on prize money is obviously going somewhere. Yeah. I like the way you said it's been good fun and diverse. And you're right. We've had to, we, the football community worldwide, have all been affected by the same thing. So we've had to mm. come up with ways to bring in an income, keep membership, um, think of survival, uh, sustainability, uh, you know, the basic things. It's a bit of a reset back to those. All, we've all had to think of the same things and how we're going to keep going as a sport. And we've had yeah. to come up with different ideas. And the digital space has been something that has really zoomed along. And we've, yeah. we've looked at uh, a lot of the NPL women's and men's games being online, streaming, et cetera. And the female space has really come along in that because we've had the women's NPL and WA Mm -hmm. come on board this year and some of the numbers there have been better than the men's side in terms of viewing, which is great for women's football. So we've got a better profile. Mm. Female has got a better profile this year locally. So that also on the other end of that, Dave, means that there's more people worldwide able to see football in different countries. If you're an agent and you wanted to scout Miranda Templeman, you can see her playing locally. <laughs> yeah. Okay, you've got yeah, to sign, sign that shirt before you go, all right? <laughs> yeah. But it's quite a phenomenon, really, because um, before the, the women's NPL started, there wasn't that much buzz around at all. But then once the game started, and there were being uh, 
filmed, you know, and put out there in the in the internet or wherever. And there's this this massive, you know, increase of interest. And it, it's also strange as well at, at Mom FC. There was people still trying to register kids when there's only two weeks left in the season. Mm. And, and that is very, very strange. I mean, we ended up with about 1,200 members, which was absolutely fantastic compared to some clubs who really felt it hard. But for us to have 1,200 come back in and play and enjoy it and, you know, really, you know, if there's only two weeks left in the season, you've got to pay the, the Football West fees, Yep. you know, which is, for a young kid is like 60, 60 bucks. Yep. Plus, we would put $100 on it you know, if you're coming in halfway through the season, but with a couple of weeks left to play, you just wonder. Yep. Why is this happening? I can I can answer that. I reckon, Dave, from from a mum mother perspective. You know, that's really difficult in the conversation. My club is mum, but I'm a mother. Okay, so. Um, having been in lockdown and then restricted activities, on the other side of that, kids are happy to be inside and playing video games, but then you get to a period where the family says, okay, get out of the house now and be active. <laughs> so at some Very point true. you've got to be out there and, and doing stuff. So with the sport being uh, the su- summer season or the winter season being pushed back, the parents are going, okay, what can we do with our kids now? We've got to get them out of the house and engage in activity. So there's mm-hmm. there's that part of it. But also there's the part of it that Mum FC, the club, is very big and it has a, a tremendous infrastructure. So it can take a hit but it can still accommodate and survive. Some clubs that might have been smaller might not have taken the hit and survived or have had to do different things but couldn't keep taking on players, Dave. So I, I think – with the clubs that were set up before COVID to have a big infrastructure and could accommodate that hit, they've done okay. Um, and they can keep taking yeah. on the players and can keep going through the, the period in a way and then uh, restrict and then grow again. So I, I feel that our club has been very lucky in regards to that and you'll probably find other big clubs who have been just as lucky they could get the job keeper and they can shut down parts of the club but still operate other parts of the club and... Uh, in, and I think that Football West has done a good thing. This is a good segue because Football West had their life member meeting earlier in the week to which you and I as life members went to, Dave. And I thought that yeah. meeting was very, um, very good. It put a good perspective on the season. What's your take from that meeting? Oh, look, it's very positive. Um, it's it's a strange one in a way because, uh, as, as James uh, Curtis said, you know, he spent 60% of his day involved in uh, trying to set up the new uh, home of football. Yes. And that, to me, I thought, wow, that's a lot of time. And that's just dealing with bureaucracy, I guess. Yep. And just trying to pull everything together. And, uh, you know, that that was interesting to, to hear. But also, there's new stuff coming out. Um, but Dave, you know, let's the, just work on that sixty percent, right? That's really important. That's telling all of the people that are listening to this program that Football West is totally engaged and moving forward with a state football centre for twenty twenty three, in the hope yeah. that we're going to have a venue for the Women's World Cup. Mm. 
land absolutely, and be ready. Yeah. So they're already immersed in all those conversations and they haven't even engaged contractors yet. They've got to get all the design and the feasibilities ready. So hence James Curtis, CEO of Football West, and a whole lot of other people are talking, talking, talking to get all those things fixed into place so they can move to the next stage, which is engaging a contractor and then putting the construction into that space and putting the shovel in the dirt, which takes mm. years. Yeah. Mm. So well, it does. Moving yeah. forward, we're actually moving forward with that. To hear him say that amount of time is being taken up, to me, was good because I'm like, well, you don't use 60% of your time, pay someone, to, you know, we are members, paying him 60% of time and, and the team to engage in that already. So that, to me, was heartening. We're moving forward with the State Football Centre. Yay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it's a must. It, it needs to happen. You know? Yep. Yep. All other member states have got them, and uh, they are it's a hub of everything football, you know? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and the other the other things that, that came out of that meeting was that the amount of programs that Football West is attending to this year, uh, like the World Cup, the Ethnic World Cup, where we have the different te- teams from different countries come together, uh, five-a-side, beach football, um, just a whole heap of different programs that were able to uh, connect with the community has been massive, and that's because yeah. they've recognised that football has had to be different this year and to include people who don't have the same funds, they might not be working, they've gone into lockdown, they've transitioned into different spaces, all those – they've tried to engage with everybody in every possible way with every kind of football that they can. And they've reduced the staff, as in the hub where they operate from now, which is in – I think it's West Perth uh, or Perth. And then they've got a huge outsource of uh, people that operate all these programs is massive, so the, their model going forward is much more sustainable than what it used to be, and that to me is good cost effectiveness for the funds of the membership, which is us. Yeah. So that's a good business Absolutely. model. Mm. Yeah, and they've got other programs that have just come out as well. You know, they're doing this uh, um, building. Stronger Clubs program yep. that's coming out. And, you know, really, I think there's 24 clubs have signed up, and uh, which is good, and I think everybody needs to sign up. But you also, you, you've got to give um, Football West a bit of pat in the back here. We're trying to help uh, uh, clubs to manage their, their own club, yes. as it were, and, and, and stop complaining about what Football West don't do. <laughs> yes. Because it's down to the clubs themselves to make themselves much better. You know, governance and facilities management, that sort of stuff. Yep. Um, you know, yeah, you- marketing their, their clubs, uh, helping with fundraising, upskilling boards. A, a lot of people, a lot of clubs don't have committees. They don't have audited accounts. They don't have, um, uh, you know, incorporated associations. And they should be because there's a law that states they have to have. And yep. Some of these clubs better watch because look what happened to uh, Peel Thunder. They got done for $50,000 just the other day mm-hmm. because they were breaking the rules. Yep. And, I, you know, you got to watch. Luckily, uh, at Mama C, we comply with most Saved 99% of all the rules and regs. Careful. And, uh, <laughs> Careful. <laughs> Exposing yourself there. 
<laughs> but you, you're right, Dave. I think that um, one of the and, – and, you know, a string in the bow, if that's the right way to say it, about Football West is their Building Stronger Clubs program has meant that they've got the um, – the facilities grants, um, which they've promoted through state government. There's the um, individual empowering people scholarship funds. So there's hundreds of dollars that they've awarded to uh, clubs and associations, hundreds of thousands of dollars to each of those, um, you know, applicants in different levels and tiers of that Building Stronger Clubs program for diff- different things. And they've done that this year because they've managed to um, get those into the sport, uh, they've captured those from uh, facilities, grants, etc., state government, and so on. Um, but they're putting the power back to the club. So here, have this money um, and start compliance and upgrading your facilities and so forth. So, uh, you know, we've been talking about upgrading facilities because a lot of them are crap around Perth. They just are. They're old, like nineteen yeah. seventies kind of red brick buildings that just don't accommodate everybody anymore. So, you know, Football West can't. They don't have enough of anything to do it for everybody. So they're giving the money out there in the community and saying, here, we're going to help you. They're lobbying. They've got the grants facilities here. Do it yourself. And it, it's hard because, like you said, nail on the head there, Dave, is that not everybody either complies or has a group of committee that can do that. But yeah, you know, it's, a, it's, it's a long, hard road, that. It's not a quick, easy yeah. fix. Mm. But the facilities thing is... is um it's just massive as well, you know, yep. and it's down to the councils. Yep. You know, in, in Melville City Council, there's something like 47 buildings that need um, uh, disabled toilets. Yep. And there's maybe maybe only three. And the reckoning costs, you know, maybe two to $300,000 just to convert the building. Yep. Because you've got to knock walls down because the toilets are not big enough. Yep. You've got to knock walls down, which encroaches in the changing facility room so you've got to build them bigger. You've yes. got to get permission to build them bigger. Then all just, you know, it ends up in millions yep. rather than hundreds of thousands to, to, to comply because you need female ladies changing rooms separate to the men's. It's, yep. you know, it, it's, it's no longer, you know, putting a sign on the door saying you can't come in here because those ladies are changing. It's just unheard of in 2020. But, hey. Yes. There's not, a lot, there's not a lot else you can do at this moment because the councils won't spend millions of dollars doing, well, I, I just can't imagine how much money uh, Alexa Melville City would have to pay out. Yes, but, but on the other hand, the government has recognised that putting money back into the communities via these facilities grants, for example, it creates jobs, yeah. jobs as well, like in the local community, which is what we need in the next couple of years. Now, Dave, we're going to have to let you go, but I did want to mention that the meeting by Football West on Monday night was for the life members, and it was a review of the company that is Football West of the year. And it does happen every year, which I think is fantastic. It enables members to uh, via standing committees and so forth to uh, be at that meeting and to ask questions about things. So um, it's a good, transparent, open um, uh, facility, so to speak, that Football West have been putting on. So as a life member, Dave, um, tell us what that means. So, like, as the listeners out there are saying, okay, Dave Kindness is a life member, what does that mean? Uh, Well, it means that just with any game that's going on, apart from glory, which is good. (laughs) But, you know, it's an honour, actually, to be... I'm humbled to 
be nominated and, and to be accepted into the fold, you know. But um, look, you get a pre a pre look at what's going on, and uh, it's good knowledge to have, especially when you're standing in the game on a Saturday. You can tell people, well, this is going to happen and that's going to happen, and you hear their reaction. You think ninety percent of it is negative, and that's what upsets me because mm. people are putting the hard yards in at Football West there to try and improve and make things better and everybody just knocks them. Mm. So, you know, it's it's good. I was down in Albany earlier in the year. I went down for the weekend with my wife, but we were at the uh, football festival, uh, at the Albany Football Festival, and it was, I was invited by Football West to go down there. Mm. And uh, they had a whole day of things going on. But I also had the opportunity to meet Lisa Devana, who was sitting, sitting, sitting chatting about uh, old football players around the, you know, uh, Perth or in, in WA, and uh, her, her view on the, the local game and stuff like that. It was really very, very interesting indeed. Yes. But, uh, you know, I just sort of go back again and say to guys like Ken Shorto at Balga, Every time I talk to him, he's got something bad to say about Football West. I say, well, Ken, get your ass onto some of these committees <laughs> and, and stop moaning to me every time I see you on a game day. <laughs> Sorry, Ken. And just for um, our listeners out there, uh, there is, uh, I don't know, there's about 20 life members of Football West. Uh, at least um, I can think of a handful off the top of my head. John Talbot, Jeanette Spencer, Bob Brown, myself, uh, Peter Kalitsis. I think it's 13 or 14, Penny. Yeah, is there? I think I, I, I was number 11. Okay. There yeah. you go. So very, a very special elite group, Dave. It is. But here's another thing. They shoot, the club should say, look, we've got some person here in the club should be nominated for this. Well, you know, phone up some of the old life members and say, look, we would like this guy to, or this lady to be nominated for life membership. Yep. Why not? Give us, give us a call. Yep. And yep. Uh, we'll, we'll tell Football West. Or yep. you tell them yourself, you know, drop my mail, whatever. Yep. It, it's, yeah. a, it's about service to the community, isn't it, Dave? I mean, it's, it's a, it is. you know, the length of time that you've been involved in the community um, on various committees, not just about your club, because it's about service to yep. the community. So being out there and helping grow the sport generally in whatever way that could be. So if you think of um, the likes of uh, John Talbot, Jeanette Spencer, Bob Brown, et cetera, et cetera, that they've been out in the community promoting it in their various ways, either on committees that help grow the sport or um, just sharing information with the, the, just part of the fabric of the community, which is, you know, when we think of life members, they're the kind of people that we want to think of. So well done, Dave. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you very much. We are going to let you go. We've got more football okay. to talk. But thank you for joining us. I appreciate that. And um, go Scotland and uh, go <laughs> Perth Glory. <laughs> Absolutely. Good on you, Dave. Enjoy your weekend. Yeah. Thanks for having me on the show. Cheers. Bye. Thanks, Dave. Yeah. Bye-bye. Dave Kindness, who is a former president of Mum FC. And uh, just while we were talking about Scotland going through, there was a couple other games we'll just run through very quickly. For so mm-hmm. uh, for the European qualifiers, the last couple of spots – Hungary hosted Iceland. Iceland scored in the 11th minute and Hungary waited till the 88th minute to start scoring, but they got through 2-1. Um, 
Slovakia went through over Northern Ireland and they'd beaten Republic of Ireland in the in the semi-final, so they had a very Irish flavour. <laughs> and last of all, uh, you may have seen on SBS, North Macedonia qualified, so that's their mm-hmm. first ever... Um, I didn't even know there was a North and a South Macedonia. Uh, the, <laughs> I don't Sorry. want to get political Sorry. on you. <laughs> Most people would call it Macedonia, but mm. if you're Greek, you don't want to call it that. Okay. So they call it, it used to be called former Yugoslav Republic of Macedonia. Now it's just called North Macedonia. Mm. Gotcha. Um, so that, this is this will be their first ever um, a big tournament that they go to. Yes, I do have a mate from the Junior Matildas, um, Alana Janczewski, who's Macedonian, and yeah. all his social media was going crazy yeah, last night. They're on it, yeah. very, very excited. <laughs> and and also Scotland qualifying, they're in a group with England. So on the twenty, mm-hmm. sorry, on the eighteenth of June, uh, it'll be England versus Scotland at Wembley Stadium. So am that I, should be a belter of a game. Am I allowed to say that's like a local derby? <laughs> I would call it exactly it, that. Scotland yeah. and England are just yeah. make great games to yeah. watch. Yes. So that'll be a belter of a game. Yeah, different styles and passions. It's good stuff. I like <laughs> watching those games. Can we go to a break now? You can go to a break. Thanks, <laughs> Pete. This is Penn, Miranda and Pete on the World Football Program. Back very shortly talking to Simon Hicks, who's the Football West Referee Coordinator. Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. I'm Peter Skeeler. The world is a little different to us all right now. We may be learning to play football with our mates online, keeping in touch by FaceTime, and watching classic matches on Share TV. One thing that won't change is being able to listen to the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle. Your World Football team are here every Saturday from 10am to 12 noon. We appreciate your support, and stay safe, Australia. We're all in this together. Welcome back to the World Football Program. And yes, the A-League is back for summer in a kind of different time space, but we're 
going to be looking forward to lots of football in the next few months, kicking back in all over the place. Simon Hicks, Football West Referee Coordinator, joins us now. Good morning, Simon. Morning, Penny. Morning, Pete Miranda. How are you going? Very well, thank you. Good, thanks. Thank you for joining us. We were just uh, talking about Simon Hill uh, off air there in a couple of the promos that we put between our uh, guests, Simon Hicks. We have um, Simon Hill on A-League promos. In fact, Simon Hill's voice has been pretty much consistent with the A-League for I don't know how many years Mm. now. And we were just saying that Mm. now he's not working with Fox Sports and that kind of, uh, I don't know, contracts, so to speak, arrangement is going to end. I don't think we're going to hear his voice on any... A-League games. Would he be on Asian Champions League games? Or is that – who's that covered by? I, I was actually wondering that myself, whether we'll get to watch that on um, Kayo or not. So yeah, I don't know. I'm going to miss him um, commentating games. I yeah. like the passion that he puts into <laughs> his football. It's, it's always good. Always good for a conversation. Simon, refereeing uh, and Football West, uh, we finished the year, all the awards of uh, – pretty much been pushed out now as of last weekend, I would think, with uh, Football West and the event at Gibney Reserve. Um, tell us what's happened in the refereeing space. Well, yeah, I mean, our awards were actually just presented yesterday um, at All Play. Um, All Play's our referees partner. Um, so we went there with our um, award winners uh, just uh, yesterday afternoon, um, the All Play's HQ in Maddington. Um, so we had Peter Wagner um, from, from All Play's presenting our awards, and that was a Although it wasn't an awards night, um, which we've had in previous years, which are always good fun, it was nice to still be able to recognise people um, outside of an awards night setting, always due to COVID. But um, yeah, and that was a nice, nice event um, to recognise our, our winners from all levels of the game. Uh, so it's important that we do that, not just the elite level, but down to junior level um, as well. Um, so that was a great, a great day. We've not presented awards in that setting before. Um, so yeah, that was a nice afternoon. Yeah, All Flags has been a supporter via Peter Wagner of um, refereeing in football, actually, for many, many years. So good on you, Peter, for doing that. My business uses yeah, all flags. Yeah, Peter's, so. uh, Peter's from a refereeing background, which is the, the connection there. Um, yep. He hasn't refereed with us this year, but I know he has plans to come back. Um, so that's the, uh, that's the refereeing connection with Peter. Yep, excellent work. And um, any awards you want to put out there in, in the listener space today? Yeah, look, I might just run through the, the award winners. Just, um, sure. We had 10 award winners this year. Um, so, yeah, our, our starting um, starting with our juniors. So the Referee Encouragement Award um, went to Philip Nasowski. Um We had Junior League uh, male and female. So male went to Parham Barami. Um, junior League female went to Libby Caldwell. Um, Libby Caldwell, I can talk about a bit later on. She's one of our up-and-coming female referees. She's had a really, really good year. Um, so it was great to see her recognised with that award. Um, Albert Mayambe won our Amateur League Referee of the Year, so he covered off the Amateur League. Um, we had Jamie West, um, a State League Youth Referee of the Year. Um, Stuart Beatty, um, State League Assistant Referee of the Year. We had uh, Stephen Knight with our State League Referee of the Year award. Stephen's been around a long time, very experienced referee. It was nice to see him uh, recognised and still doing really, really well. Um, Arvin, Arvin's an A-League assistant, uh, and he took out our assistant referee of the year award, thoroughly deserved. He's one of the best assistant referees in the, in the National League, in my, in my view, so it was, um, nice to see him recognised at state level as well. Um, and we also had, um, Jess Bird take out, uh, the inaugural MPLWA Women's Referee of the Year, um, which is a great, great achievement for her. And Dave Bruce won, uh, Referee of the Year Golden Whistle, uh, for the second time. Um, so he's had a, an outstanding year as well. 
Um, so those are our, our 10 award winners in, in the referee space. Um, and although we'd like to recognise more, I think we're, we're moving towards, we're building on, on more and more awards every year. Um, and it, but it was nice to recognise those 10 um, that have stood out. Have the numbers of referees increased this year? Um, we've had a slight drop-off. Um, um, not so, not as much as, as the player registrations have, but we, we have gone down slightly. Um, I think what, that, what that's down to is, is we take on a lot of new referees every year because we have a big sort of churn rate. I think re- retention of referees in general um, is, is an issue all around the world, and, and we're no exception. We, we introduce retention strategies, and generally we're, we're above the rest of, of the states in terms of retention. But because we haven't, uh, we had that long period without courses due to COVID. We haven't had that great influx of, of new referees coming through. Um, we've certainly been trying to play catch-up with uh, with courses since the restrictions have been lifted. Um, but I think that that's the reason why we have dropped off slightly. Um, but still, um, we had 500 referees again this year. Um, so we're, we're not too far away, away from where we wanted to be. Um, and I'm really excited about next year and uh, really building on that and getting back to the growth that we've seen in previous years. How does 500 referees compared to the number of matches that need to be refereed go? Well, I mean, we have um, our coverage rate has been very good. So, so generally, although we've had a, a drop off in um, in the number of, of referees, what we found is that our coverage rate actually has stayed the same or increased, and that, that's essentially because referees instead of getting one game, they might get two games on a, on a Sunday. So. Um, the coverage rates have been around 95% plus, um, generally. And, and obviously, in an ideal world, that would be 100. Um, and we're always working towards that, that 100% mark, which we, is realistic, I think. And, and we, that's the, the dream to be able to service the game in that way. Um, but certainly, um, 95% plus is a good place to be. Um, and it just means that the referees that have come back have just been doing more games. Um, so more, more games for them. Um, and yeah, but, so we're still looking to build on the numbers because the game number of games are increasing all the time, and we have to fight to keep up with that so we can keep servicing the game. So does ninety five percent mean that there's five percent of matches that are not covered? And if that's what it means, is that um, at a particular level of football, like amateur juniors or, or otherwise? Yeah, so um, that does mean so yeah, five percent of our of our games um, would would go without a referee. Unfortunately, generally that that would be um, junior level um, or sort of social social senior level. Um, MPL, uh, men's, women's, state league, and those sort of competitions would obviously all have, have referees and amateur league as well. Um, but, yeah, just down to the, the lower levels, um, in juniors and, and things like that. Um, sometimes if, if those are the games that have to miss out, then unfortunately that's, that's the way it is. Um, but absolutely, we we are committed to getting 100% coverage um, in the near future, and that's what all our, our retention and recruitment strategies are driven towards um, to get that 100% coverage because we know that um, people's perception of, of, of how much they enjoy football is heavily dependent on whether there is actually an official referee there. It greatly affects um, the running of the game. Um, if it has to be a parent or a, you know, a coach or someone having to referee the game, it's not a nice thing, not, not a nice position to put someone in. So we recognise how important having that official referee is, and that's why we're working all the time yep. to make sure that we do that as much as possible. So about how many matches... Would an average weekend hold or a week of football hold? Uh, weekend would be um, sort of oh, during the week because we have, we have games every day of the week and we yeah. have referees that referee games every day of the week. So we, we'd be up to um, you know, six, you know, 600 potentially with all our um, school games um, and everything else that we do. Um, so that's 
you know, that's in, at the height of the season, you know, the peak period. Um, now, um, we still have school games now during this off-season period. It's obviously much on a smaller scale, but I'd say at a peak we're around 600. Wow. Mm. Okay. Uh, 95% seems actually pretty good coverage. Mm. So I'm pretty sure if we go back a few years, the that percent would be less. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I guess that, you know, the, the programming and coordination and um, the prioritising has gotten better, different, changed, improved. So, you know, well done to that. Um, I've obviously understand that 5% won't be covered and you would prioritise the matches um, accordingly. Um, retention is always a big one, isn't it? I mean, for all kinds of sport and levels of the game is definitely something. How do you change or improve on retention? Yeah, so um, we've, we've introduced um, a couple of retention strategies this year and um, I'll, I'll run through those those now. So um, essentially in, in the past we, we've focused on, on coaching the, the junior referees, i.e. anyone under the age of 18, um, refereeing on there on a Sunday morning, getting our referee assessors, or we don't like to call them assessors, but referee coaches to go out there and, and, and deliver feedback to people. I think that's the, the main issue is not, they don't have that sort of support. And so by having that referee coach there to give them some feedback and some advice and just, just to check in and sort of see how they're going, um, you know, have your games been, you know, are you enjoying them and that sort of thing. So can, um, sorry, can, can I just interrupt well, there? That is yep. an excellent idea. Um, for especially the young referees, mm. does it also mean that if that young referee is copping any flack, that that uh, referee coach will step in and help? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Because mm. um, junior level um, junior level players are learning, referees are learning, and so there's certainly that sort of um, that role that can be taken on by the referee coach, um, and that's why we call them a coach rather than assessor. Yes, because they yeah. can assist um, with any situation that might be difficult. Um, so, yeah, and, and this year we, we've changed our focus slightly from not just referees under the age, under the age of 18 because we could have a 17-year-old referee that, that's been around for a long time and is, you know, quite capable. Um, we focus more on those, you know, specifically targeting first-year referees because um, they're the ones that need that, that support, that follow-up. Um, and we, we've had a, a big increase, 40% increase um, in those junior observations that we've conducted, about 140 we, we conducted this year in terms of people going out, they're looking there at first-year referees. And we hope that um, that will uh, have a, a bigger effect, you know, next year when those referees that have been supported, hopefully they'll more likely to, to stick around because they feel there's that network of support. Um, and that's just one of the retention strategies that we've, we've worked on. So, so um, hang on. Hang on. Have- that, that, I, I still think that's a really good idea. And I'm going to say that the knock-on effect of that, if people... And like families and players know that you're sending out referee coaches to support young and learning referees, then they might be less likely to have bad behaviour towards that referee if they know that that person is getting supported and someone will step in and help them. Mm. And I like that idea because there are some bad behaviour towards uh, young and learning referees by people on the sideline that goes unchecked. Mm. Yeah, I think that that's a really good point. And, and the visibility side of it is something we want to work on because it's not enough just to to do it, we need to, it to be visible, and so um, we're looking similar to sort of grand marshals, I guess, a sort of a uniform, a high vis vest referee coach, um, so that one referee's um, at a venue can feel, well, that's a referee coach. I can approach that person, and I can, you know, something might have gone in my game. What do I, what do I do? And also visibility for clubs as well. There's actually someone here coaching the referee. Um, there's someone there to assist them, 
Um, and yeah, it can have a positive influence on behaviour. That's absolutely right. Good job. Mm. All right. Sorry about that. I just had to. I got <laughs> excited because it's a really good. It's a really good thing. I, I mean, I coach in the young, young people space. So like the adolescent space, and yes, yeah, some of the. Um, some of the behaviours is a bit you're not so great, and it you know I, I always get a bit infuriated and have to step forward and say something. I can't help myself. I yep, just do it. But it'd be great when the referees have that support themselves by someone else who's given the authority to step up and help and say something like a grand marshal kind of like you say. So reinforcing that that is a really good thing, Simon. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. And just on on that that um, question of, of respect toward towards referees, we we conduct a survey. Um, of our referees at the end of the season. And we actually saw big improvements this year in terms of the level of respect reported by um, the referees from, from players, from spectators, from coaches. Um, so I think that, I mean, obviously you'll always get incidents of people, you know, being a bit nasty towards referees, but I think we're definitely on a trend of, of seeing that improve, which is a really good thing because everyone, the whole game benefits if referees stick around and develop. Um, we don't want to lose referees to the game because that, that's not helpful for anyone. So... Fantastic. I think it is important to recognise that the trend is, is positive. Excellent. Okay. Um, and what about uh, rule changes for 2021? Anything that we can expect that might be changing for next year? Yeah, um, there's a few changes, um, as always. Uh, and I'm sure um, people must cringe every time the new season rolls around and we've got 300 law changes to deal with. I know that referees certainly do. Um, and it, look, it's not as as significant as we've seen in some previous years. Um, this is more clarifications and minor things. Um, there are a couple that you would, um, people would have seen um, in Europe and in the Premier League and things like that that have already come in. Um, a couple of things around handball. Um, what, what, what is the arm and what isn't the arm? We've now defined that um, the arm actually doesn't start until the bottom of the armpit, so that top section of your, your arm is <laughs> where your fleet is. Um, that's no longer considered your arm under the laws of the game. And I guess the, the thinking behind that is that part of your arm is so close to your body that it can't possibly be considered to have made your body unnaturally bigger. And so it's not fair to penalise uh, an offender for, you know, for touching the ball with that particular part of the arm. So, um, again, it creates another sort of grey area interpretation. Mm. Where does the arm start? But um, that's, all the law changes that get brought in are around making the game fairer um, and more entertaining for people. Um, doesn't always have that effect, but that's certainly the intention. So, um, <laughs> yeah, that was just one of them. Um, um, other things are sort of minor, um, but um, yeah, that I guess is the, the most visual one. And you may have seen that in the Premier League with where they sort of draw the, the line for offside from. Mm-hmm. Um, they're now drawing it instead of from the shoulder, they're drawing it from slightly further down, and that's because of that law change. Yeah, yeah. and I did see um, on the last round of the Premier League, it, it doesn't only affect handball, but it's also affecting offside. Because um, the rule is it's a, if a goal-scoring part of your body is offside, then it's counted as offside. And there was a player who entire body was onside and his arm was pointed off <laughs> and his sleeve was offside and so he was counted offside and there was a lot of discussion about that. Um, but I was just wondering, um, with the handball rule, is there anything... Um, about the distance that the ball is kicked from the player? Because there's been a lot of instances where um, in the Premier League it's obviously quite visible, but also in um, MPL games um, where players have had the ball kicked at their hands. They're in a natural running position and it's kicked from about less than a metre away into their hands and they obviously don't have time to react and move their arm out of the way and they might be in the process of moving their arm out of the way and it nicks their hand and there's nothing you can really do about that. And I think... 
when it used to be, it used to be that's not a handball natural mm. position, but I think there's a lot of confusion over it. So is there anything in the um, rule changes that addresses that or is it just the um, sleeve that's changed? Um, so, no, there, there have been a, a couple of minor changes around that um, and the, the, the handball law in general has been under a microscope recently because mm-hmm. of the high-profile incidents in the Premier League and elsewhere. Yeah. Um, and it's simply because it's become even more strict. Essentially. It's even worse for defenders and that's why we had mm-hmm. so many penalty kicks happen, um, in the first few weeks of the Premier League, mm. which is that um, distance is no longer a consideration. Um, it's entirely dependent on the position of the arm, whether it's hit, when it's belted at your arm from a metre or from 10 metres. Um, it's entirely dependent on the position of the arm, which is a factual factual thing. Um, has it made the body unnaturally bigger? Um, and it's a, there's that slight tweak from is it a natural position, which gets used to be our consideration, to unnaturally bigger. So your, your hand could be theoretically in a natural sort of running motion, but it has made your body unnaturally bigger because it's way out in front of you. And so, mm. unfortunately, it, we are going that way. And, and the Premier League has, has tweaked it a little bit, as they do. Um, they, just because it happens in the Premier League doesn't necessarily mean it's correct. Um, but the, the, if you, the laws as written are yet um, pretty strict on handball these days. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that has changed. Does that mean we could conceivably, under this interpretation of the rules, see players sort of deliberately yeah. flicking the ball up at an opponent, you know, while they're running and, <laughs> hey, cool, I've just scored a free kick or a penalty because, you know, you were running along and even even though I had no yeah. real business sort of kicking the ball at you, um, you, you know, it would it would uh, re- result in a free kick? Yeah, look, the- theoretically, I, I guess I have heard that around um, a lot of the sort of social media reactions of some of the decisions. Yeah. But I think what we have to remember is the laws of the game are quite clear, which is, um, there's a statement at the start of the laws which is centred around the spirit of the laws and the yeah. spirit yeah. of football and the, the spirit with which they're intended and, and deliberately kicking a ball at someone's hand I think is outside the spirit yeah. of, of the laws and mm-hmm. referees are encouraged to consider these things when okay. making decisions because yeah. the spirit will always be part of the game. Yeah, mm-hmm. That's a good answer. Yeah. You do yeah. see um, defenders starting to track back with their arms behind yeah. their back yeah. now and you yeah. know that might become an increasing part of um, even teaching um, defenders to defend like that but then of course yeah. you're not as balanced and there's other implications that comes with that. So Absolutely. Simon, we're going to have to uh, end the conversation there. Thank you very much for your time today. I really do appreciate that. Um, Love to have you back on the program, uh, Mm. which will probably be next year now because we've got a couple of weeks and we go to our break. (laughs) But Mm -hmm. um, thank you for your time today. I really do appreciate that on on behalf of Football West. No problem. Thank you very much for having me. No problems at all. Have a great weekend and have a safe one. We'll catch you up again. Thanks, Benny. Thanks, Pete. Thanks, Miranda. Cheers. Bye. Thanks, Thanks Simon. Bye. That was Simon Hicks, the Football West Referee Coordinator, just bringing us up to date with uh, awards and so forth. I did mean to ask him about who's the character in the refereeing area now. It all seem to be so very um, strong-minded characters. I think of Matthew Cheeseman, mm. who yeah. is not involved with uh, Football West and uh, out there refereeing anymore. And uh, he was always character for me, yeah. um, always smiling and engaging. And there must be someone within the referee ranks that they can, like, you know, put he, into he, the he's promos. He's specifically and... talking locally here. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah definitely without question. Uh, we'll keep talking about that. Uh, we're going to go to break and come back and chat more football, of course, with Tim Cash from Balcatta. This is Pandit Miranda and Pete on the World Football Program. Stay tuned. Refing football. Is it having the best seat in the house? 
or is it about your love for the game? Is it the best weekend job you'll ever have? Or your favourite way to keep fit? Find out what refing football means to you. Register at myfootballclub.com.au Gate and Fence Hardware WA is your hardware shop online. Find all the parts you need to fix, make and secure your gates and fences. Friendly staff and family offer advice to help your project along or order in your special part. Gate and Fence Hardware WA. Station sponsor. West Coast Futsal accommodates for players of all skill levels and ages. With four great locations around Perth, we have a time and a venue to suit anyone's busy week. From social men's, women's or mixed games to A-grade competition, we've got you covered. Games are played night and day, indoor and outdoor, all year round. That was weird. It just cut out for some silly reason. <laughs> I don't know. Gremlins. What can I say? <laughs> We're back talking football on the World Football Program. Pen, Pete and Miranda. And our guest on the line is Tim Cash, the new Balcata FC women's NPL coach. Good morning, Tim. Good morning. Thank you for joining us this morning. Of course. My pleasure. Well, congratulations on your appointment to Balcata FC which have men's and women's teams in the NPL. Big move from Curtin University for you? Yes. I had a good season with with Curtin. Good club, um, great facilities and a great bunch of players. But uh, I love the women's game, so I'm I'm really excited to join Balcada. And also Balcada NPL club, um, good setup, good structure, good committee. So, yeah, really excited about this next coming season. And a big congratulations to Lisa Tana, who kind of travels very quietly in the coaching space and has done so for many, many years, but has been in that coaching space at Balcatta, mm-hmm. in the women's, in the top teams for many, many years and done a great job, um, is retiring from that position, but not from the club, but just from the NPL position. So... Uh, another congratulations also to Gabby Del Busco, who jointly wins the Golden Gloves. Is that what they call it? The Golden Gloves? Best Goalkeeper of the Year? Yeah, just Goalkeeper of the Year, I think, okay. is the official <laughs> title. With, with young Miranda, who's in the studio here. So Miranda Templeman, Gabby Del Busco, congratulations. So a lot of... A lot of congratulations there in that conversation, Tim. You're moving to a very prestigious club. <laughs> so what what does the next step for Tim Cash, new Balcatta NPLW coach, bring? Well, that's a great question. First of all, I, I just uh, want to echo your comments about Lisa, somebody who's as dedicated as Lisa's been over these last, two decades mm. 
deserves special mention. So you know, she's she's taking a, not really a break because she's still very still active, but she's um, handing the reins over after such a long time, having done such a great job. So yeah, special mention to her from me as well, and also to to Gabby, who um, is a good leader of the team. Just starting to really get to know the team, obviously, but uh, yeah, good leader of the team and uh, and had a good season between the posts. So for me, for this next for this next season, um, we we as a club will set ourselves a challenge and we'll do our best week in week out to make progress, to become a better team, to keep that togetherness that the team already have, but to take it to the next level and. To work hard together, have some fun in that process, and see what we can do. See if we can see if we can challenge for, for a higher position in the table uh, and play some some exciting football. Yes, exciting football. We all want to see that, and we all will see that in the digital space too, because that's where it will be. Um, you know, profiling in the live streaming as Football West have done this year, and uh, just yeah, makes the profile of everything a lot better. Um, so. The next step would surely be trials, which are underway for just about all of the clubs that I can think of across N- NPL and and other at the moment. It's a bit of a shopping frenzy, really, mm-hmm. with that trial space from 14s girls right up through to the 23s and the women's NPL, I think, the last uh, month and the, the next four weeks are going to be, well, girls and, and women just uh, getting their toes into the space of girls and women's football for 2021. How does that work at Balcata, Tim? Yeah, we've got trials tomorrow for 18s and 23s and, and some of the junior age groups as well. So that's been well received. I know there's a lot of enthusiastic players out there in the younger age uh, sectors that uh, want to play. So we're looking forward to welcoming, welcoming them tomorrow. Um, and then for, for first team players, well, we're having open training sessions where new players um, can come along and, and play and we can we can have a look uh, have a look at them so yeah we've got a busy well we've got until the end of this month to to finish that process and then we go into pre-season so it comes around quickly obviously with covid impacted season we've only got a short short window before pre-season starts then christmas break then then second stage of pre-season mm-hmm. then night series so, <laughs> so it's fast and frenetic which is exciting Yes, same with the men's. I was talking to, I can't remember which club it was in the in men's football space, and there was basically a couple of weeks, and yep. then there was trials, training, ready for the night series, which is January, I think, for the guys. Yep. So yeah. there's n- not a lot of break. There, there is, you know, twelve months of football now, and um, you know, when you when you're in for the job, Tim, you, you're in everything. <laughs> so. Um, Hope you've got a very supportive family around you that uh, understand that uh, football is going to take a lot of your time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. definitely. Yeah, well, the family has to extend to those people that you you know you're doing the doing the football side with as well because there is a lot to do. There's, there's a lot of people to reach out to. There's a lot of organisation. You know, you think back to the comment about Lisa. She's she's organised that for so long. You know, it's it's a big effort. It's a really big effort. And when they when the season finishes, obviously there's a lot of things happen to get ready for the following season. It actually becomes a really busy period. You don't don't lay the tools down and and have a break. You've actually got to go and work pretty hard for the for the next season. So, yeah, 
I have got a supportive family and um, a supportive group of people around me as well in the football circle. Yep, and the fact that Balcata FC have men's and women's NPL mean that the infrastructure is at the club. They've got a decent grandstand. They've got uh, great facilities. Um, they've got uh, the the club space there where it, it's, it's the hub for all the football there. Do, do Balcata have other pitches besides Grindleford where they train and play at? Yeah, they've got a couple of pitches just, just next to um, where they play. Uh, at Grindleford, and they've also got a share ground facility as well, which I haven't been to as yet, but uh, not a share ground, another facility elsewhere, which um, which I'll be seeing when I go down to the first training session. So, yeah, not not a huge number, but um, yeah, enough to host the teams. Yep. Yeah, there's a few clubs out there with those kind of arrangements, Mum FC being uh, one of them, Perth Soccer Club being another, where they've got mm-hmm. um, yeah, other other facilities or other grounds that they use just because of the sheer size of mm. numbers. Mm. Um, it's a, a lot of logistics to manage and yeah, I'm not quite sure it's entirely the best scenario, but when you grow, you, obviously if you provide a good product, then numbers come to you and then that's just what you have to do to grow. I mean, Perth Soccer Club are a, a great scenario there where they're in the Perth area and unless they buy buildings around there and knock them down and build mm. grass space, <laughs> they have to play somewhere else. Yeah. So. It just it is how it is. Make it work. A bit like the pro game, really, isn't it? A bit like you know, if you've got a big pro professional team, they have to train elsewhere. Yes. We can't do it if they're in the city, of course. Same sort of thing, isn't it? Perth Glory, great example. Mm. Where do Perth yeah. Glory train? At um, Dorian Gardens. Well, the women's team. I'm not sure. Yeah. The men's team. Yeah. At- I think the men are at um, UWA, yeah. the, the playing field. Yeah. There. Oh yeah, at there at uh, Floriot. Uh, Back of the office yeah, area. Yeah, that, that sort of area. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Near um, Challenge Stadium, isn't it? Yeah, that's yeah, the one. Yeah, that's yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. The great big park they call HBF something or other. Not to be mixed up with the HBF <laughs> park they play. Oh, my God. Okay. Yep, there you go. All right. Um, so just uh, expanding the conversation a bit more, Tim, um, next year is the second year of women's NPL. So it's the, the two-year first uh, stage of introduction of women's NPL into Western Australia, so there's no promotion relegation. Um, so we'll have yep. the same uh, eight. Oh my god! Yeah, eight, eight clubs. Yep, um, back again. So that's uh, Curtin, Balcata, Fremantle, Perth Subiaco, NTC, Mum FC, and Northern Redbacks. Um, there's been a bit of change of uh, coaching positions across those clubs. Um, and some that won't change will will assume that Ben Anderson will be back at NTC. Um, Mum FC are looking for a coach. Northern Redbacks have had a change of their coaching staff with mm-hmm. Conrad McKelvey and Greg Farrell stepping into different roles in the club and Carlos Vega uh, Mena and Michael Rosa stepping in there. Um, Perth Soccer Club, I just assume that Danielle Brogues is just going to be yeah. back there again. She's like a part of the furniture now. I think she'll be there forever. Um and Curtin Steve Atkins, I think, is stepping in there mm. um, in the absence or the movement of yourself, Tim, over to Balcatta. Um, no, so Morrison Dean and, um, and Merton will continue at um, Curtin uh, in the women's side. Is that right? I thought Steve stepped into that position. Where did I see that? Steve's. Steve's at Frio still, as I understand it, unless no. something's happened and he hasn't told me. <laughs> no, different Steve. Different Steve. Um, this is uh, the coach of the Gothia Cup. Mm-hmm. Redbacks. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's ah, I got you. Yes. Yeah. Got two 
twin daughters in the who used to be in the TC program when I was younger. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah. yeah, so I might have just pronounced it a little incorrectly. Sorry, everybody there. Um, so how do you review this season in football knowing that um, you've come from the head coaching position at Curtin University? Um, uh, how are you looking at women's NPL this year? Um, and then moving into next year, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I think as a first season, um, it had some successes and some learnings for, um, for us in football. I think the successes were that the competition got off the ground. We had coverage, as you said earlier, on Football West TV, which is fantastic, got good exposure. Uh, I think the women's game grew as a result of the formation of MPLW. I think we got to see some some really, some really good football, which was a big tick for me. And I think it established a really good foundation for going forward. The challenge now is to, to see progress. And so second season, off the back of what, what I would say would be learnings, I'd like to see the clubs that um, didn't perform quite as well improve. So a club close to my heart is Subiaco. You know, I'd like to see them make progress and improve this next season because then it improves the quality of the competition. Mm. And I think that's the outcome we need is to just make sure that we keep improving the quality of our football and therefore football in Australia gets better. And that's why, that's why we do this. And at the end of the day, we put these structures together so we can maximize the potential of footballers and teams. And, uh, yeah, I think there's, I think there's a lesson there and it shows, it probably shows within the game, the women's game, you know, how many players we've got who are of an MPL standard. And, but saying that we've got a lot of young players coming through. Um, I think some really good 23 teams this year. And talking of Steve Atkins, you know, he had a great season down at Frio. Greg Farrell ran a really good 23s team at the Redbacks. So some good players coming through, and that's what we need more of. And I think that the competition needs to make needs to continue a focus on both the MPL first team, of course, MPLW first team, but also those 23s and the 18s, and then having good academy structures where we've got the 12 to 18-year-olds um, growing and flourishing in the game, which is why we have NTC to an extent, but all clubs have a role to play. So I see it as a good second season coming, but I, I would like to see some of those lessons um, you know, taken on board and see if we can improve the women's game even more so than has been done this year. Mm. So there's a few of the clubs in the NPL, men and women who, sorry, clubs who have men and women, so Bowcutter being one of them, free, no, how can Fremantle in State League, uh, Perth Soccer Club yeah. in NPL, yeah. Um, Mum FC have State League men's, women's NPL. I like that hierarchy there. <laughs> um, so there's good, and I'm thinking of those clubs, they've got good infrastructures, which is the reason you would think that they're in the NPL, that they won their successful bid to be in the NPL. Um, yeah. I, I like the associations there and I, I kind of, and even if there's some deficiencies, that there's infrastructure there that the two-year hiatus, so to speak, can allow those clubs to build whatever they need to build to move into that space. I mean, the um, top four was uh, Northern Redbacks, Fremantle, NTC and Perth. No, not NTC. No? Weren't you in the top four? No, we just missed out. Oh, no. <laughs> um, yeah, it's very rough. 
So the, the clubs that were finished in the bottom four uh, would be looking hopefully to go, well, okay, what boxes do we need to check to improve for next year? We've got mm. you know a year to improve on things and change things. Part of that trials process will you know, help with that, with players uh, moving between – there's a lot of players, uh, Tim, at the moment, moving between different trials in the clubs just to see yeah. what the infrastructure is like, what the coaching setup is like, what – facilities alike, what resources are available to the club before they make their decisions. A lot of young players are moving between those spaces. I know you several families that are going to two or three trials mm. just to kind of put their toes in the water and figure things out. And I'm sure there's, you know, all the best things are getting said by the clubs to entice those players to say, yep, sign here, please. Mm-hmm. Yes. So what's your thoughts on the trials process, Tim? My, my thoughts on trials are that it's as you say it's linked to coaching and we as coaches have to get better each each game each season and it's up to us to showcase what we can do to help players grow so here in australia we have a good process i really like it the the football federation australia process for coaching is very good so i think if you're those coaches that are generally qualified who are coaching in the in the mplw they need to show that they've got the necessary skills to coach the girls and women at all their respective ages and talents and make the players better. And that, that's their job. And if they can show that, then they'll be successful in their in their trials. And if they don't, then they won't. So we, we as coaches, and we need to do this together because that has a benefit to the wider game, we need to get better and better. As I say, each week, just keep improving and then we then the, then the game gets better and, and Australian football gets better. Mm. Mm. Give give us a little bit of a background to your coaching experience uh, because you've come from the head coaching role at Curtin, which was in the men's side, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, it's um, I, I started coaching a long time ago. I actually coached um, a university team in the UK going going way back now, and then in Australia, um, I. I've coached male and female football, coached at um, Sorrento, I've coached at Subiaco, I coached Florida MPL men and 20s, and I've coached at Curtin. That's probably over a 10-year window, that that, uh, that journey. And then the, and I also coached in Sydney, actually, in the Northern Beaches competition. Um, so I probably had about, I reckon probably about 12 years of, coaching net over a longer period and my my focus is always to get better as a coach and so I'm always educating myself and I like to travel when we're allowed to, to to different places around the world so I've I've researched football in Scandinavia and Europe and um, and seeing what they're doing over there in their academies and how women's football is played seeing if there's any differences any learnings that we can bring back here and um, I've been completing my SSA qualifications, and also I also get mentored. I actually get mentored by. Um, I thought it was a good idea to get mentored by another coach, so I get mentored by the high performance coach at the West Coast Eagles, Glenn mm-hmm. Stewart. So he shares with me um, what well, he shares with his students what you know they do in the in the Eagles as part of their process, and. It's been great because he really gets you to focus on how you coach and 
what you should focus upon. So he calls those your big rocks. And so what's the most important thing for you as a coach? And then how do you go about coaching? And if you're really, if you're crystal clear on how you coach and what are the most important things that you should be doing, then your process can start to work. And he's got some great, great ideas that uh, he uses with us, with with myself, and uh, I love it. So always learning, always trying to improve, and like to talk to a lot of other coaches about um, how to improve coaching in in Perth and, and further afield. I also engaged with a, a mentor from the Player Development Project, um, Dave Wright, who's the who's the founder of, of Player Development Project. So he mentors me each month. And Dave, who's a Kiwi, had the benefit of spending some time at Fulham and Brentford in the UK. And so he's got all the invaluable experience and stories and lessons and learnings. And it's it's so good having somebody who's been in the professional game because they oftentimes they'll simplify something that I'm thinking perhaps too complex. You know, I'm being too complex. They'll, they'll actually just go, it's just this. And I go, oh, thanks. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so, yeah, I'll give you an example, actually. It's, yeah, I, was saying, I was showing him a video that I'd done of my training. And um, I said, and he gave me all the feedback. And I said, well, that's great. Thank you. And I said, what would you do um, to bring this up to UA for A standard just by way of picking a standard? And he said, I just demand excellence. And I thought, well, that's great. That's very clear. Demand excellence. Make it a non-negotiable. And... And also, and then he added to that. He said that um, ensure that uh, that your players believe that they're better than their opponent. But that's a transfer to the game. But for training, excellence is is not negotiable. So demand excellence was his comment, and I thought that's great because then you're raising your standards, and it's a really good way of remembering, you know, what you're there to do, so- and, and and it gives you a how. So one of the things that I'm hearing out of this conversation, and it's kind of been of a theme, a lot of a theme this year, is mentoring and support, providing more resources, has come out of this post-COVID period. And I really like that. Uh, we we're talking to Simon Hicks, the referee coordinator at Football West earlier, and he was saying that they've increased uh, mentoring of referees on match day by 40% to provide a second person there, not an assessor, yeah. a coach, a refereeing coach. And I like that. And there's been a lot more of a push by Football West to get uh, coaching uh, resources out there and to help with it, clubs and administration and management and uh, to clubs to help their people to retain them. Like it's been a matter of, okay, we've got to survive this period. What are we going to do to yeah. help our own resources and members to strengthen themselves to keep going? So I like that word about mentoring and providing resources. And by the way, I have to say apologies. I keep saying Steve Atkins, but it's Shane Atkins. Mm. Um, the, so it's the two Atkins families. Oh, sorry, Steve. Sorry, Shane. Um, <laughs> So Shane Atkins is at now at um, Curtin University in the WNPL set up there. So his yeah. daughters, uh, yeah. who have done very well at Northern Redbacks, they'll be transitioning over to Curtin. <laughs> now. Um, and Steve Atkins, who was at Mum FC a few years ago, is at Fremantle. Okay. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, Tim, thank you very much for joining us this morning. I appreciate your time and uh, good luck in your coaching endeavours at Balcata. I'm sure you'll be very well supported there and uh, we will catch up again. Thanks, Penny. Thanks, thanks, Pete. Thanks, Miranda. Appreciate it. Enjoy your weekend, Tim. I will. You too. See ya. Bye. That was Tim Cash, the new... 
Balcata FC women's NPL coach, mm. starting on a new journey for himself in women's football from men's football. Mm. Be interesting to see comments next time we have a chat to that. Yes, yeah, so it always yeah. is good to see ambitious coaches because yep. it is so infectious amongst players. If you've got coaches that are always looking to improve themselves and better their own coaching, it becomes infectious amongst the team and yeah. everyone is always demanding the best from each other and it just creates such good culture. Oh, I think Ben Anderton's like that. Oh, 100%. Mm. I really enjoyed the season with him. Excellent. We're going to go to a break and talk more football afterwards, of course, with Molly Appleton from Molly's Footy Ranch. This is Penn, Pete and Miranda on the World Football Programme. Back soon. The top station on your radio dial, Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. Give me land, lots of land under starry skies above. Don't fence me in. Auswest Fencing and Rotiron. Are you looking to build or replace your gates or fencing? The Auswest team can offer four generations of advice, materials, and kit assemblies for your unique fence and gate project. We specialize in color bond, aluminium, steel, and timber gates. Check out our galleries at auswestfencing.com.au. That's A U S W E S T fencing.com.au. A Women's World Cup in 2023 on home soil here would completely change the game for us. Football, I guess, it reflects society for me. You only have to look back to see the progression that that we've had. Uh, As a six-year-old, I found out that uh, as a girl, I wasn't able to play football in this country. And uh, right from that early age, I I felt there was that uh, little bit of injustice. I see the game now and, you know, and I see where we've, you know, come from and I'm, I'm amazed. I really, I really am. We've been the most successful club in West Australian history. It's special because we're a female-only club. Many people see us as an environment where their daughters can prosper in the game. We certainly do what we can to help those young girls achieve their ambitions. Well, there's been such an evident growth of women's football and I think with that comes media coverage, advertisement and just presence on social media. That has just helped with our cause because it's just attracted so many young players to the sport. Well, football brings me in my life. It's just brought out like an energy, like like a whole new different me. I never knew I had it. I love that football can do that um, for society. For example, coming up with a goal of being able to host the Women's World Cup here in little old Australia. We're there. I think we're, we're at this tipping point now in Australia where something like at a major event like that would completely shift perceptions in Australia. I'll be there every day, every game. I aspire to be there one day, so it'd be so good. It gives me hope. Like, I can make it there no matter what. There's no boundaries to what I can do. The only limit is myself. And I think it's about changing beliefs and attitudes of society and a World Cup on home soil in 2023 could do that. Bring it on is all I can say. Mm -hmm. And it's totally acceptable to be talking girls and women's football double time. Lots, okay? So while I'm sitting in this chair, bring it on, (laughs) okay? Penn, Pete and Miranda, we're talking world football, women's football, Good afternoon, Molly, from Molly's Footy Ranch. How are you going? 
I'm going very well. How are you guys? Awesome. Very well, thank you. We're going to have lots of inside information here today because we've got Miranda Templeman, who's going to be the next Glory goalkeeper and the next Matilda's goalkeeper, sitting in the studio to tell us all the inside information. We won't put her in the hot seat, though. It's okay. We won't do it to you, Miranda. Much. We'll, we'll, we'll be okay. We want her to come back, Molly, so we've got to be really nice. It's all good. So I, I know you're on the cosy little comfortable island of Tasmania. How's football looking over there for you? Uh, football um, ended up being, looking very similar to how it normally is. We managed a full season. It was delayed. So we only finished in November last week. Uh, so normally we'd finish about a month earlier, but that's okay. Um, but, yeah, I think if anything, we, we're really lucky to have some of our players that would have went interstate or overseas come back. Um, so that strengthened, probably strengthened all the top end of the table. We've got six in the state league currently. Um, but, I mean, it was great football. Uh, the last game was State World Cup and it was great, great game of football. Um, so, yeah, it's been, been going quite well down here in Tassie. Okay. So with things uh, ramping back up, the W League starting uh, next month, A League starting next month, um, borders are opening up in West Australia or between West Australia and other states um, this weekend. Uh, how's it looking for Tasmania to the rest of Australia? Are you able to get out and watch some games? Are you able to tra- you know, travel across and, and land somewhere else? Yeah, I think um, we're pretty much open to everyone via Victoria from this week and we're open to Victoria just before December, hopefully. <laughs> So I think we've been similar to you guys with pretty hard borders, but we've, I've, I suppose I've been lucky with them coming down a bit earlier. Um, so hopefully, hopefully I get to go to a game, but I've got a new job coming. So it's going to depend, depend how that works. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, the amazing world of uh, technology and uh, internet and streaming and all that will enable you to s- still see everything. Mm. Absolutely. And let's hope similar deal as the last two where, where they're all streamed. Yep, absolutely, without question. So um, uh, I just got to say Perth Glory, let's start off with Perth Glory, all right? Um, there's, there's going to be a lot of speculation in this conversation. Um, there's only a couple of clubs that uh, are remiss in their signings for the W League, Molly. Yeah. Um, so at and so let's just start with Wellington Phoenix has been a topic of conversation mm-hmm. and yep. we did chat to Tom Samani a couple of weeks ago, Molly, who's the uh, Football Ferns coach and we asked him how their footballers are going to be playing football in the lead up to the World Cup. Would they be playing in some of the W League teams? Would they be putting in a team in any form? Mm. Um, and that seems to be kicked out the door now. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. At least so, for the time being. I mean, it's obviously not financially um, viable at the moment and I think Tom's suggested that it is um, an ambition that they have to get a team in the W League just to have an outlet for their young players to go and showcase and um, play against some quality players so um, I do see that happening in the future when I have no idea, but I think that'd be really good for not only New Zealand but for the W League as well. Yeah, Yeah, I'm a little bit torn uh, with this one. Uh, With Australia and New Zealand 
jointly hosting the World Cup, mm. I feel a little bit competitive in <laughs> increasing their quality when we want to be really whipping their bums. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, we want to be inclusive and bring them into the competition to make the local competition as strong as possible. Yeah. Um, so Wellington Phoenix did very well in the A-League if, last if year. If they can have a team in the A-League, they should be allowed to have a team in the W-League. Yeah, Absolutely. It can't be exclusive in, in that regard. But there have been a couple of signings from the Football Ferns, New Zealand Football Ferns team into W League mm. teams already. Um, I suspect there'll be a few more by yeah. the time all the squads complete their rosters. But uh, so now moving to Perth Glory, Molly, and th- this, is, we, this is a bit where we start crinkling our brows and we have lots of questions because we don't have a coach at the moment um, and there's not – been any signings nope. and there's only a couple of teams in the W League that are in that kind of space. Um, I see Adelaide as having a coach but no player signings. Oh, they've had a no, few signings. They've got, have they? They've yeah. got a squad, yeah. Have they? It's uh, Melbourne, yeah, Melbourne Adelaide City. Yeah, Adelaide have a lot of Yeah, Melbourne City are the ones, as, as Miranda said, uh, yeah. are the ones that are not signed. haven't announced any haven't signings. Announced yeah, it. okay. I, I assume it's someone, uh, a club with the calibre as Man City. Um Melbourne City, sorry. Have oh, had... I say that all the time. Yeah. Same thing, really. <laughs> um, Same thing. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they've, they've, you know, had so much success over the last few years in the W League and I imagine there's a lot of things going on behind the closed doors that we're not seeing and mm-hmm. obviously um, Victoria's not in a, um, as stable a, a situation as we are lucky enough to be here in Perth. Um, yeah. So I suspect they'll have a lot of things going on behind the closed doors and then um, announce a mass amount of players at once yep. is what I'm expecting, but of course have no idea of what's actually going on. I'd like that to be the case for Perth Glory. Do you think yeah. that'll be the case, Miranda? Um, <laughs> I have no idea, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm very glad that the borders have opened up and yep. actually allowed us to um, put a team in because obviously the hub situation wouldn't have been a viable situation for so many of the players who are um, in school or um, have other jobs and just can't take that time off work to. Yep go and live in a hub for um, months on end and uh, yeah so very glad that the borders have opened up and allowed us to have a normal quotation season. <laughs> yep yep so just just running through the list that I've got here and I'm not sure this is correct okay so and you can correct me so uh, Newcastle uh, coaching appointments bar Perth Glory seem to all have been completed mm-hmm. so Newcastle Jets of Ashley Wilson Canberra's Vicky Linton now I played football with Vicky Linton many many <laughs> years it's ago very good signing for yeah very yeah. good signing yes um, Adelaide have their coach down as Adrian Stenter and I don't have any player signings against Ad, um, Adelaide but there you go you can I'll correct me you. yeah, yeah. You, you, you do that um, Brisbane Raw I'm very very sad about this have got some of our best West Australian they've players they've been very busy lately haven't they <sighs> I know Damn it. Um, their, their coaches, Jake Goodship, um, and then Melbourne City have got Rado Vitasic as their coach. Yep. Uh, Molly, you just jump in and correct me if any of what I'm saying is incorrect. Uh, now, Perth Glory is this speculation bit. Um, I'd like to say that Jacine Bonzes is going to be considered for a coaching position there because she's been a supportive and assistant coach to all of the Perth Glory coaches since I don't know how long, knows the landscape here back to front. And um, there's a couple other players I could mention, which would be totally uh, coaches, which could be totally speculative there. Um, but if you know anything, anyway, and, why are you laughing? And, at and me? as a cynic, I might say she's probably just the easiest option. And two weeks before the season starts, the glory will say, "Yep, she'll do." 
Yeah, we've got a lot of work to do in a very short space of time, Molly. Um, now, Sydney, you've got Auntie uh, Urich, uh, Western Sydney Wanderers have got Dean Heffernan, and Ed's Melbourne Laurie. Victory, yep, have got uh, Jeff Hopkins. So all of the coaching appointments bar Perth Glory appear to be complete and player signings are well underway for most squads. Um, so, Molly, what's your news that you can tell us? What What haven't I said that we should all know? Oh, I think the other one that we need to kind of keep in mind is Newcastle Jets and just, I think, as a club, not even on the W League side, but the A League side as well, there's a bit of uncertainty. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, so they've got no players and they've lost some big players to both Sydney and, and the Wanderers. So I think that's, that's a bit of a blow for them at the moment. Whilst they've still got some good local talent there, they're sort of, yeah, probably taking a step behind where they were last season when it could have been a step forward this mm. year. Yep. So the, the players that we're talking about that have left Glory and gone to Brisbane, Roars and Morgan Aquino, who had a great year this year. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Letitia McKenna has also gone over to Brisbane. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Kim Carroll. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very sad about that. Very sad about that. Yeah. Um, but you know, let's hope that Perth Glory are doing lots of work behind the scenes and we know that they're having trials coming up soon for players or whatever they might like to call getting a group of players together here in Perth. Yeah. And so we'll know more about that um, hopefully by the time we finish on air in a few weeks' time, mm-hmm. we'll have a squad that we can announce. Yep. Yeah. Hope, I think that's the plan for Glory is to – um, now that they've got the borders open and they know that yep. they can actually have a squad, it's um, about seeing what players are available to them. Obviously, it would be difficult to get interstate and international players back, um, uh, not only financially but logistically. Mm. So um, whether they can do that is another issue. And then if they don't have those um, interstate and international players back, that leaves the WMPL as their player pool. So, um, Which is a pretty darn good pool to be yeah, diving a, into. It's mm. a good year to have had the um, inaugural WMPL league start, actually. So you've got a lot of high-profile players that have had Kat good... Kat yeah, who's won Golden Boots. Yeah, who was involved player. in the squad last year anyway. Yep. Um, but, yeah, I think there will be a lot of players who would have been happy with the season they've had and hopefully that will um, serve them good and they'll get a look in. Yes, definitely. Um, Molly, you want to add to that conversation at all? Um, oh, I think it's perfect that, you know, if uh, the W League with no Matildas starts turning into, you know, the best off the NPLW and yes. sort of giving them a platform to step up, I think that's perfect. And, you know, great timing for WA for you guys to have that formal, like the competition formalised with what an NPLW brings. And, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely great, great move, really, with no Matildas. Yep. And, and we can say the same thing about the A-League and Perth Glory have a great football factory. Yeah. They have the pathway from young to the A-League, so they should be pulling players out of that pathway. Yeah, there hasn't, there hasn't been many players. No. Um, whereas Adelaide, on the other hand, suddenly in the last year or two, there seems to be a vast pool of talent from Adelaide. A mini uh, golden era in yeah. Adelaide, yeah. yeah. <laughs> including uh, a couple of the kids that are now with the glory were Adelaide boys. Yep. And, look, that's the way that you want it to be. And look, yep. if this year means that we're all going to be pulling from our local stocks and that's going to put the spotlight on our local stocks forevermore or for the next couple of years, then that's fantastic. Yeah. Mm. Um, it'll, you know, save a, a bit of money in getting marquee players in, which always, you know, makes you jump into the bank account a bit further. Mm. Yeah. 
We've got some good talent here. We have got some good talent here. And I mean not just in Perth, Molly, I mean across Australia, local in each local um, area there is good talent. And I'm sure there will be people on social platforms in local states who will be saying, why aren't these players getting looked at? So just a matter yeah. of the, the people up there making the decisions, getting down there and having a look. That's how it goes. Um, so let's just go a, a little bit uh, wider. Oh, by the way, uh, Molly, Morgan Andrews um, won a couple of awards this week mm-hmm. with Perth Glory. Yeah. Uh, that was the Golden Boot and Players Player. player. Yeah. Yep. And then Celia um, took out the Most Glorious Player Award. Yep. Yeah, Spanish influence. Yes, and she signed for Leon actually this season, so she can't come back. Um, but a great signing for her. Leon's obviously one of the most dominant clubs in women's football in the world, and um, you know, with the likes of Ellie Carpenter's over there as well P- and, at PSG. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so they'll you know have a great season, and she'll um, enjoy the challenge. I think. Yeah. Yes. Um, and there was something else I was going to say. Oh, Hannah Lowry, who. Was runner up in the Ferris and Best. Yeah, Ferris and Best. Yep, um, over here in WA for the NPL. She's playing in the NTC competition. Has become our Healthways ambassador. I don't know if it's Healthways ambassador for the Women's World Cup, but there's a video that's been put mm. out just this week. By Football West. Yep. yep. Uh, I don't know if you've seen that, Molly. It's on our World Football page. If you want to have a look at that, and it's great. It just uh, puts in a lot of the young female football players and aspirations and talks about the Women World Cup and, yeah, it's kind of maybe the start of what we are going to be pushing towards the Women's World Cup also ties in with the fact that FIFA are assessing venues across Australia at the moment Mm -hmm. and um, that's happening by Zoom, I think. They're not actually landing here and putting their feet on the ground. Virtual tours, I think. (laughs) Yeah, that's kind of a bit odd. yeah, I suppose that they would assess that visually and then they'd make some decisions and then go the next step, which would be coming and having a look. I don't know how you have a look at something that's not built yet because we're talking about our state football centre here as being a possible venue in Perth and we're still at talking stage with that one, Molly. So, But we, we can verify there's a lot of talking happening. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we definitely want Perth to be a venue in the Women's World Cup. Um I don't know what venues are being considered in the rest of Australia because all I'm just thinking about is just bring it here to Perth. But, <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of well, there. Launce- up, up for uh, have put their hand up, but we've got an oval pitch because we're an AFL state, mm. so yep. I'm a bit nervous how those how those walkthroughs go with that. Yep. yep. Hopeful but nervous. Yes, absolutely. I mean, there are some good venues uh, across Australia. I don't know that there's any other venues being built. I just, you know, someone help me out here. Um, the State Football Centre is the one that I know that's getting built yeah. for Women's World Cup. Uh, is there any else across Australia that are looking at? Not not that I could think of. Mm. Okay. I'm going to say putting one up sort of North Queensland way. I know there had been talk of a stadium in Cairns at one point a few okay. years back, so... So what we've got is being considered, yeah. and yeah. we'll see how that goes. Uh, I guess there'll be a bit more talk on um, the internet about that at some point when we whether done the review. FIFA have done the review, and we'll see. Yeah. And, and realistically, NIB Stadium is perfect size, perfect for a mm. for a women's world. Yeah, twenty two thousand yep. capacity. Yep. By the time twenty twenty three comes around, not necessarily Matilda's mm. games. I'm talking, you know, just random team A versus random team mm. B. Yeah. You know. Yep. 
Yep, I agree with that. Algeria versus Botswana or something like that. (laughs) Uh, Totally accessible, near Perth, public transport. Yep, definitely. Pitch like a billiard table. Yeah. I do think, you know, rectangular pitches are always create a better atmosphere because, you know, I did go watch um, the – when the – English club clubs came over here, yep. and we played at Optus Stadium. Yep. It was, you know, great football, but you were so way, far right. away from yeah. the pitch because yep. of the, you know, it's just like this little rectangle in the <laughs> middle of this big oval yes. that you're trying to keep from. So, yeah, um, it does create a lot of a um, atmosphere when you're playing at NIB and oh, sorry, what's it called now? HBF. HBF. Yes. Oh. Park. <laughs> HBF yeah. State. No, HBF Park. Yes. Yeah. This HBF Stadium is the one out at Florian. Perth yes. Oval. Yeah, thank you. Just call it Perth 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 Perth. Oh Molly, it really confuses us in the media (laughs) when we talk about sponsors becoming the naming rights sponsors for a stadium that Mm -hmm. change from year to year. Inglewood Mm. does that and it always confuses me. Just Inglewood Oval. Yeah, we had um, when we did the promotional thing the night after we won the um, World Cup bid, we had all the Ginny Matildas and Sam Kerr go down to um, HBF Park where the Glory play. But um, a couple of Bella and Hannah actually drove to the wrong HBF, <laughs> and so then what they did was like they had to drive to the other one. I'm not sure you'd want to be saying that on air, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Which nah, is why fine. you're the media spokesperson, yeah. not them. <laughs> okay, um, have to put a nice word out there to uh, Bristol City coach Tanya Oxby, who is a um, Perthite, mm. so in quarantine. At the moment, uh, because she's um, found to be positive with COVID, which is uh, a blow. They are in the WSL, mm-hmm. so the Women's Super League in England, where a lot of our Australian players are, they are. which yes. is fantastic for profile because we can get to watch them playing super football <laughs> at the moment. So just uh, hop online and catch streaming games. There's all of the, p- the pages for the WSL, so Man United women's page, Arsenal women's page, Chelsea mm-hmm. women's pages. I don't actually think there's any Australian players in the Manchester United. No, there's team. no Australian players um, in either of the Manchester teams. I'm pretty sure, and um, so there's no um, Australian players on it um, tonight. When the Manchester derby is actually on tonight for the Women's League, so unfortunately, no Australian players on show. But it should be a good game. Yep. Mm. Yes. Uh, at the moment, I think it's Manchester United are on top of the league. Then Arsenal, Chelsea. Everton and Man City. I think that's how it's running. So Arsenal and Chelsea, which do have a contingent of Australian players in it, sitting yes, in the top correct. four, which yep. is very nice. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Bristol City are on the bottom of the table. Mm-hmm. But uh, our thoughts go out to uh, Tanya Ox to be there and a yep. very speedy transition through the quarantine period and moving back into the coaching space. She's awesome. Yep, Done a great job. And Joe. Uh, Monte, Montemuro, Montemuro yeah. who's the coach of Arsenal, so doing a great job there, mm-hmm. sitting yep. second on the table. Go Arsenal. Aussies representing over in England. That's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it's good. It's good. It's going to be a different W League look because the players will stay over there, earning their keep. Yep. Yeah. It's how it goes. Molly, you've been very quiet. We did most of the talking. <laughs> Why is that? I was good. I was so happy to listen to that talking. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we're going to have to wrap it up now. Now, next time when we invite you back, uh, we're just going to sit back and let you do all the talking, all right? Yeah. All right. Sounds like a good deal. Okay. <laughs> all right, Molly, uh, stay safe and thank you for joining us today from Molly's Footy Rants. Uh, enjoy your weekend, whatever it brings. Thank you. You too, guys. See you next time. Thanks, Molly. Bye. That was Molly from Molly's Footy Rants with... Hardly a a word in edgeways there. (laughs) We did well, team. Well done.
Um, Len from Bags Groove is up next with his jazz show and we've talked a lot of football the last two hours. There'll be more of that next week with Sean hosting and the team in the studio. Everybody, thank you for listening in. We do appreciate it. We love talking football. Miranda, Pete, thank you guys. Thank you very much. No worries. Catch you soon. Join us again next week at the same time for the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM.